Ahoy! It's your boy! And welcome to what might be uh, the official first episode of the podcast. This is M. Um, what you don't know is that behind the scenes, uh, I've actually been recording myself talking for an hour at a time for a couple months now. Um, I started back in July. Oh, my stomach is already growling. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Um, you know, if you're lucky, I might try to mic it up at some point. Uh, the point is, uh, I started recording myself talking for an hour back in July and I'm not even sure what started it, but, um, I was on this follow-up tour when I was in, uh, in March, I had toured the West coast with Matt Nathanson, which was incredible. And then I, um, booked myself in the same cities in July and I was doing this like follow-up tour. And, um, when I'm on tour, I don't really listen to music or sometimes I do, but I like, it's strange for, for someone like myself who plays a lot of music, I really don't listen to a lot of music. And it's not that I don't listen to music in general, but I don't listen to a lot of music. And, um, when I did the Matt Nathanson tour, there was a lot of time that my girlfriend was with me. Sometimes she wasn't, but, um, she was there for many of the dates. And when we were driving together, she would find like a Spotify playlist and it was usually like some pop music or I think one time it was like acoustic music or something like that. But I think in the last decade, that's probably the largest breadth of music I've ingested, um, ever because I just don't seek out music. Um, which surprises a lot of people. But when I look back on my life, I've never been a voracious consumer of music. Um, I've always listened to things um, monomaniacally. I'll find something I like, and it's the only thing I listen to, sometimes for years at a time. And other things will creep in, but effectively, I only listen to one thing at a time. And like when I was growing up, uh, I think the... well, I think the first artist that was my favorite artist, which is going to be strange for people, but I think the first thing I listened to sort of that obsessively was Bone Thugs and Harmony. When their song Crossroads came out in probably like, I don't know, man, like 90, 95 or 96. I'm not sure when that song came out. But when Crossroads came out, I remember buying that record and not only listening to that record, East 1999 Eternal on repeat, I went back and got their record Creeping on a Come Up and listened to that. And I was like super into the whole Mo Thugs family, which was like the, the, the Bone Thugs record label was the Mo Thugs like family. And they even came out with like a, um, with like an anthology. I don't remember any of the fucking artists, but I do. I don't even know if I remember the names of the people from Bone Thugs and Harmony. It was like Lazy Bone, Crazy Bone. I think there was a Busy Bone. Um, I don't know. I have to fucking look it up. But um, oh, and also I'll be cussing on this podcast, so deal with it. But um, and I, I actually it's kind of funny because I always think there were times in my life too where certain songs would really stick out to me or I'd become obsessed with. And uh, I remember the I think the first song I ever heard and was like really attached to was a song called "Days of Our Lives" by Bone Thugs and Harmony off the "Set It Off" soundtrack, which was the Queen Latifah movie where it's she and a band of females. I wonder I wonder if Jada Pickett Smith was actually in that movie, but it's Queen Latifah and a bunch of females and they, and they become bank robbers. And this was also at a time I think like in the '90s, and I don't want to say it was just starting; it had probably been going on for a while. But when I look back on that time period, I realize it was a, it was a it was a period where entertainment industries like music and film, dude, and even like fast food were like cross branding and merging. And so, like, a movie would come out, and there would be a music video attached to it. Um, and especially with children's movies, like a movie would come out, and the toys would be available at fast food. Um, 
and I'm sure they still do that, but this was really just sort of taking off, you know, uh, when I was, you know, probably, probably around the age of 10. Um, but yeah, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So I don't listen to a lot of music. Um, but I think Bone Thugs was probably the first band I was super into. And I was also into musical theater growing up because I did a lot of theater myself. Um, and I, uh, I think the first musical I was ever really obsessed with was probably Jesus Christ Superstar. But there was also like Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat always meant a lot to me. Um, and, uh, but the one that really stuck with me for a long time was Rent. And, uh, I think in my middle school years, probably around seventh grade specifically, I mean, I was just obsessed with Rent. I mean, I would listen to it over and over and over again. Um, Sorry, I might have to sneeze too. Here we go. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Excuse me. Job bless. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I listened to Rent obsessively. I actually remember in seventh grade, they did this thing at the end of the year where um, they had all the students together and they were handing out awards. And it was just basically a, a way to like recognize, you know, either the accomplishments or the personality traits uh, of all the students. And I remember they handed me uh, mine and they said they made it out to the landlord. And it was obviously a reference to the fact that I liked rent. Uh, So not very creative. Hey, they're teachers. They're not stand-up comedians. So they're not coming up with something wonderful. But it was was just funny because even in that moment, I realized exactly what they were referencing and also realizing that it wasn't that like it wasn't that intelligent or that um that smart um but anyway i'm not trying to give him a hard time i'm just saying that's the case but um yeah so it was rent oh and then also in middle school i think around eighth grade i was obsessed with dave matthews band um which i feel bad saying it i'm i'm kind of embarrassed about and i don't know if it's because i i don't think they're a great band as much as i just know that other people hate dave matthews band and um, I also look back on that and I, and I just think like a lot of times you hate an artist because of their fans, like insane clown posse or something like that. Like you just look at their collective audience and you think, Oh, I don't like any of those people. So ergo, I hate the band or they become a joke. And I think Dave Matthews band is that way too. They're just sort of, um, yeah, I think people just think of their audience as a bunch of frat, like white frat boys, which they are kind of, and that, and that's kind of, I mean, I wasn't like a frat boy. But I was definitely in that sort of young, white, privileged, hippie period of my life, you know? Dude, like, I remember, so, oh, and also I was really into, like, jam bands at the time. And um, I guess two things. Like, I go back and I listen to Dave Matthews' band, and I actually don't like a lot of their music, which is sort of strange. Like, I can go back to listen to, I can go back and listen to Rent, um, and I go, you know what, yeah, I can see why I really like this. And there's maybe, like, a couple songs for Dave Matthews' band, that I go, oh yeah, that's like a really good song. But overall, I go, I don't, I, on all of their records, I listen to on repeat. And I go, I'm not, it's it, like, I don't really hear what cap, what, like what captured me when I was in eighth grade. I mean, I have thoughts about it. Like my first instrument growing up was playing the drums. And actually my whole interest in Dave Matthews band, and by the way, this is what the podcast is going to be. I'm just going to talk. There's not going to be any rhyme or reason to it. I do write down things to talk about, but I don't even look at them before I start recording. I just start talking. So uh, my first instrument uh, growing up was playing the drums. I started playing when I was probably like 11. And I remember my teacher, his name was Brian Harris. 
I look back and I realize what a patient dude he was. Like, I don't think people realize what, how annoying they are when they're a teenager. And I never practiced. I literally look back and I realize I never practiced once. I played the drums sometimes hours a day, but I never practiced what I was supposed to. I just listened to records. And one of the things I would do is he had like a video library. Library? Library. He had probably a few dozen cassette tapes. And like back in the 90s, it was really popular. Um, and I can't remember the brands, but you know, there was these production companies that would make these musical instruction videos. And so they would get celebrities and they would do these sort of um, seminar or clinic videos. And I remember every week or every other week I would take out um, I would take out a new video. And it was people like, is it Ian Pisces? Like, who's the drummer for um, Ian Pace? Who's the drummer for Rush? I saw his. Um, it was like Steve Gadd, David Garibaldi, the drummer for, excuse me, I'm burping too, the drummer for um, Tower of Power. Um, the drummer for Tower of Power. Um, and actually, I think I had some friends like play with Tower of Power recently. Um, uh, who else was it? Um Oh man, I'm I'm really just trying to impress you by like summoning old drummer names that none are coming to me right now. Um, but uh, the one that really blew my mind was Carter Beaufort, who is the drummer for Dave Matthews Band. And I remember popping the video in, and the first song was number forty-one, and it's just you know they play the song in the background, but Carter Beaufort's just drumming along to it. And the thing that hits you about Carter Beaufort. And you can't really articulate it, and I don't even think I noticed it, but his his playing style is so unique, which is instead of playing, you know, if you're right-handed, playing right hand over left hand, or your right hand's on the hi-hat, your left hand's on the snare, he plays in an open grip, which is he plays the hi-hat with his left hand, and he plays the snare with his right. And uh, it's just, it's almost like seeing a skateboarder who has like a weird pushing style. It's not like Mongo or something like that. Well, it might be the equivalent to that. I'm not sure what you would call it, but... But yeah, he's just playing open-handed. And aesthetically, it's just kind of a weird thing to see. But he also just had this huge drum set. And just aesthetically, that was like really impressive to me. And also, because of the way he plays, there's just certain things. Like, he'll have like two ride cymbals on the left hand, which is strange. But ultimately, what hit me was the music. And number 41 is this really long song. And it has like this whole jam session in, in the middle of it. But it was like... And I, th- and I think everyone knows what this feels like, but sometimes you hear a song for the first time and it's like, it was meant for you. Like the cosmos, I don't know, you just, in that moment, you hit it and you go, whatever this is, was fucking tailor-made for me. And because I listen to music obsessively, when that happens, one, I'm elated because I know exactly what's going to happen, but I, I literally listen to that song on repeat for weeks at a time and um and uh maybe we'll talk about other ones because what we're going to do actually at the end of this is i i put out a thing on instagram asking for i I told people i was going to do a podcast that's why this is going to be the first episode even though i recorded uh ah fucking hell and also someone outside my window starting to fucking do some construction work so you might not be able to hear it but i'm going to be fucking distracted as i record this um uh but uh yeah even now now I don't know what to fucking say because I've been interrupted. But um, literally, what the fuck was I talking about? 
Oh, yeah. I put out uh, on Instagram that I was going to take uh, people's questions, um, hopefully to fill up some time on the podcast and also get you interested in listening. So we're going to do that. And, uh, and, uh, some of it is like, what's your favorite song or what's your, you know, like what kind of music do you like, et cetera. So we might get back to this, but when I find a song that I know I love, it's like, I get super excited. And, uh, number 41 was one of those. Um, also I was like in a huge jam band phase, which, um, oh, (laughs) now I see what I was getting back to, but, um, uh, I was in a huge jam band phase and I was super into this band called the string cheese incident. And it's sort of funny because I look back and that's a band I go back and, and listen to and I realize I didn't like their music at all. Dude, and there's probably a larger point in here as well, but I think young people, when they're super passionate about things, don't, they, there's, this, there's this chasm between what they actually enjoy, what's actually taking place, and what they report taking place. So at the time, I said wholeheartedly and believed that I liked the String Cheese Incident. And to the extent that I was like, um, tape trading was this thing that's going to sound fucking crazy to kids who are growing up now. But back in the day, there were certain bands, usually jam bands, who would let their fans record their shows. And this sort of started with the Grateful Dead, Fish kind of like carried the torch into the future. And then there was a bunch of like um, other, you know, they were called jam bands that uh, would let fans record their shows. Dave Matthews Band, I think, did this a little bit. Um, But... um, but what that allowed fans to do is they could even like they would even like let them plug into the soundboard so that they could get like a good quality recording or they could get like an audience recording by just like putting some mics in the back of the theater. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I, you you could trade shows. And so I had like, you know, bands like jam bands like Mo and Fish and um um, I'm trying to think of some other band, like Carl Denson's Tiny Universe was this like a band that was sort of coming up in the jam band scene. Medeski, Martin and Wood, it was a, like a jazz trio that had been around for a while and, and, and had sort of, I don't know, I had listened to them separately and then realized they were sort of ingratiating themselves with like the jam band audience. Um, I actually saw them in Phoenix one year and it was one of the best shows I've ever been to, um, which was completely surprising. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had a bunch of, like, these String Cheese Incident shows. And actually, I look back and I realize I've seen the String Cheese Incident six times live. I-, I even traveled to see them. I saw them at the Greek Theater in Berkeley, California, like, a decade before I even lived out here, which is insane to me. Um, but uh, now I go back and listen to their music, and there's nothing about it I like. I literally go, this music is garbage. And what I realize is when I look back on that time period, I realize, oh, I never really liked the String Cheese Incident. I just liked everything around the String Cheese Incident. I liked the scene. I liked the tape trading. I liked the aesthetic. I liked the lifestyle. Um, and uh, I'm not really sure what the larger point is, except it's just funny when you talk to young people. Like, I thought when I'm a parent and my kid's listening to the garbage music that they'll listen to at their age, or they're begging me to buy the article of clothing that they want to wear, oh, and this is the point, because as I was tape trading, I remember one time I traded some CDs, like CDs were just coming out, which is going to sound crazy to people. Like, we were literally trading cassette tapes. Maxell XLR2s were like the standard for a brand of cassette tapes. You can Google image that if you want. Um, some people were trading like mini discs, which is going to sound even more niche, but that was like supposedly a thing for a while, trading mini discs of, uh, of shows. But then CDs were coming out. So that was like, you know, once CDs were coming out, it's like you wanted all the shows that you had from like a digital source, 
like a soundboard recording and then you wanted it on CD. So I had these binders of CDs that were like live shows. But I remember trading some show. It was probably like some like fish New Year's Eve show or whatever. But trading it to someone for a pair of patchwork shorts. And if you don't know what patchwork shorts are, they're literally shorts made of patches, which was like part of the uniform of hippie at the time. Like, if you were in the jam band scene, like, you wore fucking patchwork. And, of course, dude, it's like any article of clothing for any scene. Like, whether you're dressed like a juggalo for ICP or, um, I, like, I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't know what other, uh, what other fans of bands listen to, but it's like, that's your fucking uniform. And I was like, yes, I finally got my patchwork shorts, dude. Like, I am fucking in the scene now. Like, these people aren't even ready for it. Like, I was sort of orbiting the scene, but now that I got these patchwork shorts, I am in, dude. And I remember I got them, and I put them on, and I stepped out into the hallway, and my brother saw me wearing them, and he fucking died laughing. They looked fucking ridiculous and i swear to god i took them off i never wore them again because i knew like my feelings were a little hurt and i really wanted them to be cool because i wanted to wear these fucking things to school but in that moment the fucking illusion was shattered like i saw my brother's face and his reaction and he just fucking died laughing and i was like you know what you're right and i didn't admit to it it wasn't like i went you know what you're right but I think, dude, that was that might have been the beginning of the end of my interest in the jam band scene. Like, like it's like he didn't need to stage an intervention or anything. But it was like that first moment where I saw what was really going on, you know. And I experienced like, oh, like I, like whatever that encounter was where he laughed at my shorts. It's like I took that back into my room and I and I took the shorts off and I folded them up and I fucking shoved them in the back of my in the back of my closet and never fucking touched them again. Where I was like, I was beginning, ooh, this is powerful. I was beginning to take off the veneer of my interests in jam bands as well and fold that up and put that away. Wow. Powerful stuff, folks. Wow. Hopefully we can look more into more poignant content, uh, content like that on the podcast. Um, where was it going with all this? Oh, well, yeah, maybe I'll just keep uh, checking through my interests in music. But I think after jam bands, oh, shit. Because then I went off to boarding school, and I'm sure that'll be a topic we can talk about at other at other points. But um, around that time, I got into the Counting Crows, and that was like my favorite fucking band for like years, and um, especially August and everything after. But all of their records, I remember that year, my freshman year of high school, I got so into the Counting Crows and all of their records. I just listened to on repeat, and I, I mean, I still believe Adam Duritz is one of the single most like. Um, uh, had the greatest influence on me creatively over a lot of things that I've encountered. And I, I just, for whatever reason, like I don't really follow the Counting Crows much anymore. And I actually saw them live in Oakland um, with my buddy Tom Rhodes, who's a great songwriter that people should check out. Um, also, I'm going to be linking, you know, I, I like I said, I've been doing this thing where I've been recording myself, so it's not, it's not new to me. It's all going to be new to you, but I've been sort of doing this just as practice for myself. But um, every episode is going to have show notes. Uh, they're either going to be like in the episode description, like on iTunes or, um, but also on the website, every episode is going to have a, you know, there's going to be like a podcast blog, but I'm going to have show notes and I'm going to put, um, you know, all the topics that we discuss, but I'm also going to link, um, I was finding as I was doing this, I was talking about a lot of different friends of mine that I wanted people to check out. So when I go back and listen to this, I just sort of note the people that I talked about and I link their stuff. So, um, you can either Google Tom Rhodes, not the comedian, although he's funny as well. You should check him out. 
but uh, the musician Tom Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S, and uh, check out his music. He's really phenomenal. Um, um, actually, I want to talk about Tom, um, uh, and, and you know maybe I'll find a way to get back to uh, listening to music in the Counting Crows and, and other music I liked, but Tom Rhodes is uh, this great songwriter who's living out here in... Um, out here in the Bay Area, and I, I feel so bad for him. His uh, his dog just passed away, and uh, he had this dog uh, named Barkley. I called him Barkles. Um, I think a lot of people called him Barkles, but um, he was a Golden Lab. Um, I'm 95% sure. Uh, I'm, I'm waffling because he might be a Golden Retriever, but I think he was a Golden Lab. But this dog was, um, you know, a lot of people say this, but he was like the best dog in the world, and he was so friendly and so sweet. And uh, I know uh, Tom and his wife loved that dog, and it was it was really like a child to them. And so I feel bad. Uh, they lost their dog recently. So, um, you know, you don't need to inundate him with condolences, but, um, but uh, just, uh, you know, keep him in your thoughts, I guess. But the point is, um, when I first met Tom, I think I had just started playing music out here in the Bay Area. And uh, I was going to all these open mics. And um, I think it was, it may have been my first time at an open mic at a venue out here called Freight and Salvage. And uh, it's sort of a folk, I don't know, Americana, kind of acoustic music staple. And uh, they had an open mic, which you get to go on the, the, the main stage and they have the sound system set up. And it's, it's actually a really cool performance experience. But I remember I was there and I, I sort of walk in and I, th- I think someone was just finishing up and then this dude takes the stage and the minute he, and he was saying, Oh, I just, I'm out here from New York and I'm new. And, uh, I was like, okay, the dude starts playing and literally my jaw hit the fucking floor. And I was like, Oh, my alarm's going off. Um, I'm actually supposed to be waking up right now. I've been up for quite a while, but, um, but my jaw hits the floor and it was like this dude, he was far and away the best person. I, you know, I've been hitting the open mic scene for a while. He was far and away the best person, um, that I had heard, uh, in forever. Like I was looking for someone like him. And I remember, um, he played a song called better son, which, um, it's one of the, it's one of my favorite songs of his. And so he's leaving the stage and I run up to him. I had some CDs of mine at the time and I hand them off to him. I'm like, Hey man, like you're great. It sounds like you're new to the area. I play all the open mics. Like if you ever want to hang, like, let me know. And, um, and, uh, hit him up a couple times after that. I think he was still kind of settling into the area, but um, we finally did. And, and after we started doing that, we were thick as thieves uh, for, for years after that. We were both both sort of cutting our teeth on the local music scene and going out to venues and uh, and uh, even started running together and, and did um, even did a running event together, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so check out Tom's music. Um, but yeah, after the Counting Crows. Actually, you know, dude, I might regret talking about this, but there's this thing I've been thinking about. And actually, it's kind of a funny story. So when I first started um, recording myself, I think because I needed prompts, I was just like picking up my phone. And because I couldn't like really talk for like an hour, I was like looking at my social media and just talking about whatever came into my head. And uh, I stumbled on Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows, which is in my Instagram feed. And I'm telling you, man, I love the Counting Crows. I love Adam Duritz. I, I think he's the one of the most underrated lyricists of all time. He is, without a doubt, one of the biggest creative influences on me. But there's two things you need to know about Adam Duritz. He does this thing, and I was talking about this on another recording that you're never going to hear. But I've been talking about people aging. And um, 
I'm a balding dude, and I've done nothing to stop it. I've never used Rogaine. I've never, uh, you know, I've never even considered for a moment getting a hair transplant. But as I get older, I'm, I don't understand when I look at other people uh, who seem to be clinging to their youth. And uh, I understand why and the reasons for this, but in entertainment especially, um, you know, women are clearly objectified and there's so much currency in their sex appeal and their desirability. So, uh, of course, you see women clinging to their youth. But to see so many men clinging to their hair color or their hair in general or just their youth is so sad. And like I said, I get it. You know, their belief is that if they stop looking a certain way, people aren't going to be sexually attracted to them and aren't going to like their music anymore. And there's probably something to that. Um, But there's two things. When I was growing up, I didn't realize how early you gray. And the truth is, you start graying in your late 20s. And it's not that yet, well, you know, maybe some people it's a head full of gray hair already. But for most people, it just sort of starts subtly. But what I can't understand is when I see someone who's in their 50s and they have a head full of jet black hair. And uh, I'm sorry, but Adam Duritz does this. And I've noticed this on his Instagram feed. I go, dude, his, his face is whatever he is. He's probably in his late 40s. May, I, I don't think he's in his 50s. I bet he's like 48, 49. Look it up on Wikipedia. Um, but he has a head full of jet black dreadlocks. And this is total speculation, but I, I'm wondering if the hair is even real at this point. Um, there are people who I'm fucking incredulous about. Like, like I said, I went on tour with Matt Nathanson. Matt Nathanson is a fucking handsome dude. And I, I think he's, I don't know how old he is. He's probably in his mid forties, but he is a handsome dude and he has a, his hair is going gray, but he has a head full of hair at, at his mid forties. It's fucking unbelievable. I'm so jealous as a fucking bald dude. Who's like not as old as he is. Um, I'm a little incredulous, but, um, but yeah, so Adam Duritz has this fucking head full of jet black dreadlocks. And I'm thinking, dude, can that be real hair? <clears throat> and so anyway, the point is, is on an episode, you'll never hear I was talking about this for like an hour. And, uh, and, uh, oh, dude, there's another crazy story about when I actually, I bought, I've actually met Adam Duritz a couple of times. Uh, not like socially, but I'll tell you that story in a second. But, um, but I was literally in Los Angeles. I was in Los Angeles for this follow-up tour. Um, I was playing at Hotel Cafe, <clears throat> and I had this buddy, Aaron Marsh. He's a comedian. He's fucking great. You should check him out. Aaron, A-A-R-O-N-M-A-R-S-C-H. Aaron Marsh. I think that's right. If it's, <laughs> if it's not right, it'll be corrected in the show notes. But check out Aaron Marsh Comedy. Um, but we're sitting there. Oh, shit. Maybe I shouldn't name him. I'm going to fucking edit that out (laughs) because of what I'm about to say. But um, I'm sorry. You're not going to get the plug, but I also want to protect you. But he and I were in LA. We're like at this cafe across from Hotel Cafe, ironically. And we're sitting there and I bring this up. I don't know how it came up, but I bring up this idea. Oh, I think we were talking about how I'm bald and Aaron has a head full of fucking hair. And how is that fucking possible? But um, I bring up this thing about Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows and his head full of jet, ba- jet black dreadlocks and what's going on. And, dude, this is so L.A. This only happens in Los Angeles. But we're sitting there, and Aaron goes, oh, you know, I know his girlfriend. And I was like, you do? And he goes, oh, yeah, I could text her right now and ask her. And I was like, do it. And he does. And literally, like, 10 minutes later, he, she, she gets back to him and goes, oh, his hair is real. That should be enough to satisfy me. Uh, dude, it doesn't. And 
I'll tell you why this is coming back to me, which is I looked at my Instagram and for the last week I've seen Adam Duritz pop up and he's wearing a fucking hat and his hair is gone. And I'm thinking, what's going on? I'm wondering, did this dude shave his head? Is he experimenting? Like, what's going on exactly? Now, I'm going to feel mortified if I realize he's actually getting chemo and is like losing his hair or something like that. But there's a part of me that's convinced. There's a part of me that's convinced that that text somehow, girlfriend turned to him and said, oh yeah, I just got a question about your hair. And it triggered his insecurity. And he was like, you know what? I do have to shave my head. I got to try it. And if it doesn't work, I'll wear the hat. But this charade has gone on for far too long. And I'm going to try to age gracefully. I'm going to try to let myself go gray. I'm going to stop dyeing it or I'm going to shave it or whatever the fuck it is. I'm going to stop wearing the hairpiece, if he, allegedly, if he does wear a hairpiece. But there's a part of me that on some level believes that that comment at a cafe in Los Angeles made its way to Adam Duritz, one of my musical heroes, and has affected the way he sees himself when he looks in the mirror now. Now, is that grandiose? Possibly. Could it also be true? It could be. Is it true? I don't know. I await further confirmation. Um, um, and do I feel bad that I'm you know, speculating on the physical appearance of another person? Yes, I do. It does bother me. But it also needs to be said because it's the truth. And hey, like I said, I love the guy. I'm not trying to hurt him. And, and, and do I feel bad that I'm even apologizing about it? I do. Do I wish that I could just say things confidently and not worry about being judged? I do. But do I also still consider your feelings because secretly I want to be endeared to you and I want you to like this podcast and I want you to like me and I don't want you to not listen because you think I'm being a jerk? Yes. All these things are true. All of the above. Option D. All of the above are true. Um, but, so, now here's a redeeming story about Adam Duritz, which is, I live in... You know what? I didn't want to tell you where I live, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I live in Berkeley, California. And Berkeley is the home of uh, Cal Berkeley, which is a very prestigious um, university. Um, UC school in California. And apparently Adam Duritz went there, which I didn't know. But uh, when I first moved out here, I was working at a bar on Telegraph called Raleigh's. And the reason, uh, I mean, when I was writing as The Plastic Arts, my second record was called Raleigh Zone. It was named after that. And I worked there until it burned down in like 2000. 11, which was one of the best things that ever happened to me in terms of the trajectory of my life. I'm not happy the building burned down, but it set a series of events in motion that led me to where I am today. So profound. And um, they actually rebuilt, so it's still open. So if you happen to be in Berkeley and you want to get a good good burger and beer, go to Raleigh's. Um, But uh, so when you work at Raleigh's, when Cal plays a home football game, the whole college area goes fucking insane probably like most college areas but when you get hired at raleigh's during the interview they basically tell you you being hired here means that you are required to be available and work on a home cal game day Uh, when cal plays at home you work every single person who is employed by the restaurant has to work that day because it's so insane and raleigh's uh was this huge indoor restaurant and also had a huge outdoor patio and the I don't think this was the day that it happened, but I mean, the day that sticks out to me was my first Cal game day. There were probably 800 people. I mean, the fire code obviously fucking broken. Um, Hundreds of people inside, hundreds of people on the outdoor patio. You could barely walk. It was fucking crazy. But on one of the Cal game days that first year, Adam Duritz was there. And I was like, holy shit. And I didn't realize that he was a former student, but apparently he still supports Cal and, and goes to their games sometimes. 
And it was a similar situation where the room was just fucking so packed. Nobody could walk anywhere. It, it, people were just squeezing through each other. It was fucking crazy. And Adam Duritz is there with a group of people, ostensibly. And for whatever reason, um, whatever section I'm working, I need to walk by him like a hundred times. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Here I am seeing someone who's like a musical fucking hero of mine. And I should be just fawning all over him. But I'm, I'm just not. You know, and I never have been that type of person. I've always been able to be pretty cool in front of people that I know or have a reputation. Um, I think it's actually a, it's a it's a part of a self esteem thing. Honestly, I'm not trying to brag here. I think there's I think there's something a little more sinister about it. But um, but I'm fucking going crazy, man. The shift is just fucking a nightmare, and I keep um, bumping into him, and he's super apologetic. He says, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and I'm like, "All right." All right. And then I, I, by the sixth time it happens. He goes, oh, so sorry, dude. And I, I, dude, I fucking snap. And I just go, dude, get the fuck out of my way. And he was like, oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. So sorry. And it didn't even register at the time when it happened. But in years past, I've looked back on that moment and thought, dude, what the fuck? Here's someone that you were monomaniacally obsessed with for years of your life. Like, literally, I, I, Counting Crows was the only band I listened to for like two and a half years. Here they are in front of you, and the only thing you fucking say to them is, dude, get the fuck out of my way. I've never really unpacked that in therapy, but I think that, dude, there has to be like a profound, there has to be a profound message there. That's pretty insane. Um, and he, he had come by a few times after that, and I never said what's up to him, but I, I would like see him, he'd be chilling at a table, he would come with a group of people and sit on the patio, or I remember one time he was just chilling with a friend inside, and I just never said what's up to him. Uh, but that was also like a really different place in my life, man. I was in like my early twenties. I was struggling like a lot, like a yachty, lot of young dudes in their early twenties. And, uh, yeah, I think if I had uh, bumped into him now, it'd be uh, quite a bit different story. I'd probably say what's up to him. And I still would, if he hears this, he'll probably think I'm a dick and don't want to talk to me. But, um, but if I did see him, I'd, I'd love to give him a handshake and a high five and let him know what his music has meant to me. Um, whoo, good stories. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if there's any other thoughts about listening to music. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think the logical conclusion to everything I've talked about so far is I've just, I've, you know, I've been obsessed with different bands at different points in my life. And, um, I think after Counting Crows, it was Radiohead, you know, again, uh, one of the biggest influences on my life. Um, the, the one after that, I think was probably Kings of Leon. And this is the kind of shit that everybody says, which is, I liked them before they were big, but dude, I totally fucking did. And, uh, especially their first three records are fucking canonical to me. Like I fucking love them. And even only by the night, their fourth record, which was like their big record with you, somebody and sex on fire. I listened to that record uh, a whole lot. Um, even if it was sort of the beginning of, of, um, the end of their, of their heyday in my very humble personal opinion. Um, and then I don't know, I kind of haven't had anything since then, except, uh, a couple years ago when the 1975 came out. I say a couple years ago, but dude, that was probably actually like 2011. But whenever their first record came out, I I swear to God, that was, dude, I listened to that record, that record alone for a year straight and settled down, especially to me. That was the first song I heard of theirs. And it was like a fucking lightning bolt in my brain. Like I realized this was everything I had ever wanted to create in life. It was so like, there's things I hear that are so good. I say that they're devastatingly great because they're so good. I wish I had created it so hard that it fucking hurts. And Settle Down was one of those songs. And that whole record, I was like, these dudes, excuse me, I'm burping. These dudes 
have done everything that I've ever wanted to fucking do with music and they're doing it right now. And now I can't fucking do it. Now I got to do something else. And, uh, it hurts, but I also loved it. And, um, I mean, in a way it's sort of what you aspire to creatively, you know? Um, it's also the best way to know that you're actually tapped into some sort of cultural, I don't know, pulse or something, you know, that, um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, and now my phone's beeping. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what else is to be said. Um, maybe this is the time where I go and I look at um, I look at Instagram questions. So let's do that. So I put out um, I put out a, I put out a thing basically. So like I said, I've been recording this uh, by myself for a long time, um, at least the last few months. I'll record myself talking for like an hour a week, and uh, I've treated it just like a personal journal, and that's probably what this is going to be like. Um, but, uh, I like to find a way to bring people into it as well. So I put out a thing on my Instagram story, one that said, I'd like to start a podcast when anyone be down to listen. And, uh, the response was 97, let's see, 93, here I can look right now, was 93% yes, 7% no. So 7% of you are not going to be, uh, in my religion when I, when, when it takes place. So, uh, that's fine. I don't need everyone. I want you. I don't need you. And, uh, and so I followed that up with, uh, you know, for the first episode, are there any questions? And I got to be surprised. I got to be surprised. I got to be honest. I'm surprised. Um, I really expected like maybe two questions and I got quite a few and, um, they're not all great. A lot of them are actually pretty bad and we'll take a look at those too. Um, but, uh, some of them are pretty good. Some of them are pretty good also. So let me pull them up here and see what you guys, uh, see what you guys are asking me. And, uh, I'll just start from the beginning. <clears throat> so this first question is from Muhammad Mohabed, Mo- Mohaib, sorry, Muhammad underscore Mohaib, M-O-H-A-I-B, Muhammad Mohaib. Um, and dude, this is a question I get asked a lot, which is insane to me. Uh, it's, it's this or different variations of it, which is his question is, do you have a YouTube channel? Yes. Let me Google that for you. And, uh, I don't want to like be mean to people, but what does that even mean? I get questions like this all the time. Hey, where can I find your music? Where can I stream your music? Isn't that pretty obvious? I I just, I can't understand what impediments would, uh, there would be for a person not to be able to find me if they really wanted to. It's very simple. If you really wanted, and, and the the reason it bothers me is because I think if you really wanted to know, if you, I mean, if you really wanted to know the answer to that question, you could find it out for yourself. Why would you take the time to contact the artist and wait for them to respond? So, so obviously it's, well, this person just wants to connect with you. Okay. But they could ask me anything. Why would you, oh, wow, wow, wow. This is profound folks, because it actually brings me back to my Adam Durrett story. maybe there's a correlation here between, I guess what I was about to say is you're asking me a question, but how do you think I'm going to see that question? Like I'm going to read that and go, dude, of course. And then unfortunately the logical conclusion is I'm just not going to think you're very intelligent or I'm going to think you're lazy or it's, I'm I'm going to be confused. And if you really do want to connect with me, do you want my response to be confusion? But Wow, and this is the profound part, profound part, folks. What about my encounter with Adam Duritz from the Cannon Crows? Dude, do I want Adam Duritz to love me? You bet your fucking ass I do. Dude, I want Adam Duritz to love me so hard. But now he fucking hates me. One, because I was talking about his hair. 
But also, I told him to go fuck himself, ostensibly, when I saw him for the first time. So, wow. Dude, the self-sabotage here is profound. So, Muhammad, dude, I was hating you for a second, but dude, now we're even closer. So, I was going to ignore your question, but I will answer it. Do I have a YouTube channel? You bet your fucking ass I do. Alright, what's the next one? Oh, the next one was actually a test. I didn't get any questions for like the first couple of minutes, so I thought, oh, maybe the thing's broken. Of course, it wouldn't have crossed my mind that nobody fucking cares about what I'm doing. It's, oh, this must be broken. So I just sent myself, test? Yeah, I got it right away. And then I realized, oh, I'll just have to wait for people to care, which thankfully they ended up doing. Um, Ralph underscore M1 says, I haven't question. Oh, by the way, I have a lot of foreign fans, so a lot of the questions are broken English, which is very endearing. But Ralph underscore, it's... R-A-U-F underscore M1 says, I haven't questioned, just I won't say hello from Azerbaijan. Dude, Azerbaijan. I don't know anything about Azerbaijan. I couldn't point to it on a map, but I know they fucking play chess there, and I love chess. So, Ralph, uh, hello, and I think I did message you hello, but also, dude, if you play chess, find me on chess.com, at thisismxoxo, and challenge me to a fucking game. Um, what else do we have here? And Sag on... Tori Bayeva and Sag Ani M. Tori Bayeva asks, What is your favorite song? Uh, I don't know if they mean my favorite song or a favorite song in general. Uh, my favorite song of my own. I'm not even going to fucking go there. Uh, my favorite song in general. I don't have one. Um, but since I mentioned Settle Down. <laughs> Uh, by the 1975, let's say that. And then also, uh, to sort of make up uh, for Counting Crows, I think Round Here is a phenomenal song as well. Um, Mannion14 says, Why is the acoustic I'm a pawn not on Spotify? Um, I was actually supposed to look this up, which I didn't do. But I'm a pawn is the first track off my second EP, Save Yourself. Uh, It is on Spotify, the the original song. You can find it there. Um, There was an acoustic version floating around, I th- and I don't even think this is what he's referencing, but um, there was an acoustic version uh, of I'm a Pawn, which was the first recording I did on a tape machine I had here. It was just me and my guitar, and it was um, it was mixed and mastered by, um, by my friend Charlie Wilson um, at Sonic Zen Records, which you should check out uh, in Berkeley. Uh, I think he's still doing that. I haven't been in touch with him in a while, but um, I don't think that's what he's talking about. So what I'm curious is... I mean, I work with this dude named Gowan Matthews, who's my collaborator. He works on every, any, everything that you've heard in the last few years from me. He um, produces and records and, and plays instruments on. I'm wondering if he and, I, he and I have made so much music together. I'm wondering if he and I did an acoustic version of I'm a Pawn, and I just have no fucking memory of it. So um, after this, I'll probably, well, I probably won't, honestly. But what I'm telling myself I'm going to do is go through my iTunes and see if I still have it. Um, why is it not on Spotify? Um... I don't know. I yeah. My, I'm I'm curious how you even heard about it, honestly, or how you've heard this song. But um, yeah, this, I think what part of this question might be is my first EP, "Be Free." There's an acoustic version of every song on Spotify. Why isn't there the same for the songs on the "Save Yourself" EP? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I was literally just thinking about that and wondering if I should. But the truth is, I'm really interested in releasing new music now and writing and focusing on recording new music. And part of even releasing the acoustic songs was so much of the covers, the acoustic covers that I started doing were getting playlisted and getting me a lot of plays and in turn a fair amount of money. And so uh, I was hoping to to recreate that with um, my original songs with some acoustic versions. And some of them have been, you know, more successful. Be Free is doing fairly well. Um, 
but I think uh, part of it was that they weren't doing as well as I had hoped, and um, I wanted to just start focusing on original music. So, um, Manion 14, uh, if I do find it, I will... Um, if I find what you're, what I think you're talking about, I'm just going to send you a Dropbox link. So thanks for the question. I'm sorry. I don't have a better answer for you. Uh, this is a, this is a funny one. Juliet underscore Kosam underscore Priyanam says, how many months it takes to learn whole guitar? Many. Uh, I mean, you can't really learn the whole guitar, right? It, it, you know, you can dedicate your whole life to it and you'll never master it. But if I'm being completely honest, a guitar is not as hard as people think it is. And the truth is, I'm a fucking terrible guitar player. I basically am as good now as I was two years after I started playing, which is I, I, I can play chords, I can accompany myself, you know, fine. But I also play with a capo and I just move the capo around and I play a lot of the same chord shapes. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say my guitar playing is, is not different now than it was like two years after I started playing. Um, so, right, it really, like, obviously it depends on how much time you put in. So if you practice a lot, you're going to get better quicker. But, you know, you could get a couple chords under your fingers in a month. And I bet if you, if you practiced for 20 minutes a day for six months, you'd be a pretty proficient guitar player. Um, you could probably even play some cover gigs and make some money, honestly. So... Um, it looks like your first name is Juliet, but the picture looks like you're a gendered male. So, um, but whatever, uh, if you learn guitar or if you learn one of my songs and you put it online, let me know and, uh, I'll give you a shout out. Um, prominent underscore importance, um, asks, can you tour in Florida? I would drive anywhere in the state to see you. Uh, hashtag Port St. Lucie, Lucie. I don't know. That's probably a place in Florida that she lives at. Um, I actually, I remember this person. I think she and I have actually traded some, some messages on Instagram, but, um, can you tour in Florida? Um, uh, the short answer is probably not. Um, and we'll probably talk about this, um, on other episodes because it's just a part of my life right now. But, uh, you know, I've been doing solely music for the last few years. And even though I've, I've reached more people in the last few years, um, than I have in all the time combined. Um, uh, I'm also kind of in a different place in my life right now. So I'm always going to make music. I'm always going to do creative stuff. I mean, hell, I'm doing this fucking podcast now ostensibly. But um, touring has never been, it's never been worthwhile for me. I've never enjoyed the process. The shows are fine. The rest of touring is awful. Traveling is, is a nightmare. And it's very boring and it's very depressing and it's very lonely. And um, I always lose money. Uh, when I did the Matt Nathanson tour, I made money. It was great. But... Um, you know, I don't really see a lot of other similar opportunities lining up. And so, you know, the idea of me just putting myself out on tour, it's just not financially um, or emotionally feasible. So uh, I'm really just going to be focusing on um, creating content for the internet. And, uh, you know, if there's ever a chance where I could do it financially um, and have it work, I I would absolutely do it. And uh, I I would love to play in Florida and I'd love for you to come see me. But if I'm being perfectly honest, it's probably not going to happen in the near future. Um, something unforeseen would have to happen for that to be a possibility, unfortunately. But I hope you, uh, I hope you keep listening to what I put out and I hope, uh, I hope you stay listening. Um, Adam underscore once underscore pie. I feel like I've also traded messages with this guy, but he says, why you changed your name? And he mentions my real name, which I'm just deciding not to share with people, even though you can probably find it. Uh, why you changed your name from the plastic arts and the air apparent, et cetera. Um, good question. Um, and the, 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 the truth is because I wanted to, or I felt inspired to, 
um, when I first started creating music. The only reason I called myself the Plastic Arts was I literally, when I was creating my first MySpace profile, you know, they asked for a name, and I didn't have one. And But I had a moment, uh, and it's like all the names, uh, well, I guess I've only used two monikers and, and my, my real name, but it's the same thing with End the Air Apparent. It just came to me, and it was like, I can't explain why. The Cosmos, it was like the Cosmos was like, this is your fucking name now. And it just made perfect fucking sense to me, even though I didn't, even though it made no sense, it made perfect sense. And I think if you're an artist, you'll know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. But the plastic arts I came by when I was in my 10th grade humanities class, I was reading about some indigenous people from somewhere. And there was this thing that said they were skilled in pottery, weaving and other forms of the plastic arts. And I, I, it was just like, I knew I'm going to fucking call myself the plastic arts. Now, what is fucking crazy is as I was filling out my MySpace profile, I'd also had this thing, the plastic arts underground. I don't know why the fuck that word had to be attached to it, but I, I literally was like, dude, do I call myself the plastic arts or the plastic arts underground? And I literally like was wavering as I was typing the name in and I just went with the plastic arts and that's what stuck. And I'm so happy I did. Um, why did I change to end the air apparent? Um, there's probably more reasons around that, but it was similar. I was at a time in my life where I was ready for a change and you know, it just fucking, it felt inspired and it has a lot of meaning to me. I know it's a weird name. I know it's hard to say every time people fucking ask me what my name is and I have to tell them I'm fucking embarrassed because I, I see their reaction like, Oh, that's kind of a shitty name, but it has a lot of meaning to me and it makes sense. And at the end of the day, I'm an artist and I got to do what I feel inspired to do. Um, so yeah, maybe it'll come up, maybe it'll come up another time, but it's a good question. And it's, uh, you know, something about, you know, creative courage and change and being willing to try new things is, uh, I'm not saying I'm comfortable with it, but it's a big part of who I am. And, um, hell, it's why I'm doing this freaking podcast. I feel inspired to, and maybe it's not going to make sense to other people. Maybe they're not going to like it, but, uh, but uh, I, I know it's going to take me somewhere. So that's why I'm doing it. So thanks, Adam. And uh, and uh, good to see you again. If we have spoken before, thanks for staying in touch. Some, and I got a couple people just sending me like emojis or whatever. Um, dude, here's another dude who's getting a mention. Kyle Williams. Uh, his tag is I Love Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams is a songwriter in Chico. Uh, he, he and I played shows together. He's super friendly. Um, just a super friendly, I, I've crashed at his place, beautiful family, very talented songwriter. You should check him out. Kyle Williams. Um, he says, what do you do when you get lonely? Um, I do, I don't really get lonely. I'm a really independent person. Um, and if, you know, I'm not saying it's healthy, but I sort of, my base state is being, uh, being isolated. So, um, I think part of it's being an introvert. I think part of it is, um, you know, some psychological shit I'm working out in therapy, <laughs> but, uh, uh, like I'm, I, I actually crave alone time and, um, I, there have been times in my life, obviously where I wanted companionship. So ideally, you know, my life would be having a companion that I can sort of uh, be away from at times because I, I need to be alone. But, um, but, um, yeah, what do I do? In a, yeah. So yeah, I don't really get lonely. You know, I, I don't want to bat your question away, but it just doesn't really happen. I'm, I'm really fine by myself. And, and the truth is I probably spent the overwhelmingly vast majority of my time alone, like right now. I mean, I have a girlfriend, but I just mean I'm I am physically alone right now. But uh, Kyle Williams, you're great, and everyone check out his music. Uh, let's see, Aparia underscore J ninety seven says Spotify isn't available in our region. Is there another way to listen to your music? Yes, that's another one of those questions where I appreciate the impulse, but the question is the answer is obviously yes. 
iTunes. You can look me up on any any anywhere good digital music is sold and streamed. You'll find my music. I mean, and I mean literally everywhere. Foreign services I don't even know the names of have my music. So, but that's also strange. Spotify isn't. How, I'm curious, Aparna, uh, Aparna, how you know my music then? Because most people find me on Spotify. So, but uh, I'm glad you're interested. Uh, so it's really up to you. Anywhere, YouTube, iTunes, um, anywhere you want to look. Uh, <laughs> I get, dude, I get requests like this from, and I assume these people are very young, but I get these a lot, which is unknown someone 152 says, would you like to increase my followers? No. No, I wouldn't. Uh, but people will ask me like, hey, will you give me a shout out on your story? No, I won't. I'm sorry. I just won't. Oh, here's another one. Real underscore Rujal. Do you have a YouTube channel? Uh, yes. Uh, look it up on YouTube. Underscore Fugu123 says, from where can I get your song, Give Me Back, Give Back the Flames? From where can I get your song, Give Back the Flames? I don't know. I don't have a song called Give Back the Flames. Um, oh, he's, oh, I see. All right, that's a lyric. I, oh, okay. He, cause he, oh, okay. He's mishearing a lyric. So in my song, Dearly Departed, which if you know the lyric, my guess is this person probably saw an ad. So I do these targeted ads, especially on Instagram, which a lot of people find me through. So, um, there's a decent chance if you're hearing this, that you found me on an Instagram ad, but, um, he says, from where can I get the song? Give back the flames. Um, the lyric is get back the flame. We started from a song called dearly departed. So, but the, the title is also in the ad. So I'm confused by you people, but the point is, uh, I think the song you're talking about is dearly departed. And, not to beat up on you, but from where can I get it? Dude, anywhere. Spotify. Go to Spotify. That's what I prefer. Rajesh Gamir underscore official. So, wow, dude, we got a celebrity in our midst. Rajesh Gamir official says, which episode? I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, uh, hold on. Oh, I lost it here. Um, what else we have? Uh, dot A... So it looks like a shock, but it's underscore dot a dot s dot h dot o dot k dot underscore says next album. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Does it mean like when is my next album coming out? I'm just releasing singles. If that's the question. He also asked another question. It says your fave song. I think we already talked about that, but next album, there won't be a next album. It's just going to be singles, but uh, I'm releasing one original song every month for the foreseeable future. Um, although I have to be honest, I won't have a new song this month. Uh, my collaborator is out of town and I didn't book, t- I didn't book studio time fast enough. And so he's, he's busy and, uh, but he's also out of town. Uh, he's flying overseas for a while, so I won't see him, but, uh, it's not that I don't have material. It's just, we're not going to be able to finish in time, but uh, by the end of the year, I will have released 12 songs. So don't worry about it. And, uh, next year I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm just going to keep releasing new music. Um, your latest, oh, so sorry, Bakash Dash, sorry, B-I-K-A-S-H-D-A-S. Bakash Das 6521 says, your latest song name, that is called The Dark. But that's also something you could find yourself. Uh, the, my latest song is called The Dark. Um, Harsh Wardhand J4 says, how I kept... <laughs> Dude, if I laugh at people's English, it's only because I because it is kind of funny. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you guys a hard time, but how I kept your songs from my caller tune. <laughs> how I kept your songs for my caller tune. Like, I, I think what he's asking is how can I get your songs for a ringtone? And I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, 
Cabrona FIFA says, hi, I'm a big fan. Oh, this is funny. I should, I should try to say it how she typed it, which is, hi, I'm a big fan of yours. You know, where she repeated a lot of letters. Uh, thanks, Cabrona FIFA. I'm a big fan of yours also. And then, uh, oh, we actually just got another one. Dua, Dua Muhammad 95 says, how is life? Um, you know what? It's pretty goddamn good. Uh, you know, I got someone in my life I care about a lot, who cares about me a lot, and uh, I'm feeling good creatively. I got people listening to my music, and hopefully I'll have people listening to the podcast, and uh, life is pretty good. So, um, I'm not sure how long we've gone gone for. My goal is for these to be an hour, and uh, I'm pretty sure we've done at least that. So, um, yeah, if you want to send me questions, you can. Um, I'll probably put out another Instagram story for the next episode. I have no fucking clue when this will be public, Um, you'll just hear it when you hear it, but, um, you know, these things have to get aggregated and sent out, but this will be the first episode of the podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at this is M X O X O. You can find me online with, uh, the show notes for this episode, which is going to include, uh, the topics we discussed and, uh, and, uh, links to some of the people I mentioned. Um, and the audio itself, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm supposed to tell you what to do, like subscribe on iTunes or whatever. Um, but you know, wherever you want to subscribe to this podcast, please do. I hope you stay, uh, tuned in. And, uh, if you have suggestions or if you have questions, hit me up on Instagram or via email. Um, you're smart. You'll figure it out. Uh, otherwise, uh, thanks for listening, uh, and look forward to recording the next one. And so, uh, take it easy and ciao for now.